Welcome to the Bible Idiots Podcast, soon to be called the No Apology with the Bible Idiots Podcast. I'm Chris Danielson, along with my best friend and bride, Emily. We are laughing louder, digging deeper, and living larger once again today. Thank you for joining us. It's Friday. It's Friday. And that means we're going to be digging into the mailbag. You got some mailbag stuff? I do. Yeah, yeah. I actually do. You want me to... Throw it at you, or do you need your bearings for a little bit? Well, I, I'm interested to see what, you, what you've come across with the mailbag, but yeah. uh, I do want to say this. Yeah. Yesterday's podcast was about how you can literally hurt plants by giving them too much water. <laughs> literally. Which, you know from experience. I, I, I learned that. <laughs> if you haven't heard that podcast yet, please go to it and check it out. But you know, all the whole water analogies and love and relationships and how we did a spiritual flip to bring Jesus and the Bible into it like we always do. Yes. I didn't once refer to Jesus as the living water. See, isn't I know, that funny? I totally forgot. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, but Jesus is the living water. Yeah. So there's that. It's hard to have a conversation without saying something where you could totally draw a parallel to the scriptures, to a spiritual truth. Yeah. And sometimes you do. It's like the most obvious one. You just kind of pass over and yeah. forget about, yeah. Yeah. And now being a pastor, people will come up and they'll say, Chris, I got a question for you. And they'll ask the question and I'll answer it kind of okay. And then we'll <laughs> separate. And like 20 minutes later, I'll think, oh, I should have told them this. I, yeah. I, I should have mentioned this. I should have mentioned that. Yeah. I do that all the time. It takes my brain just a few minutes to let everything settle. You know, it's like it's like that jar of sand and water and you shake it up and then <laughs> as soon as everything's settled, then it's like everything's clear. Now I know how to respond. But that was yesterday. Yeah, I know. I just want to ref- now I'm just going to reply to people. Uh my brain is sand and water. Can I text you tomorrow when things have cleared up? You're actually going to get that chance today. I am. You are going to get that chance. Well, it's in the mailbag. Oh, well, all go? right. Let's go to the mailbag. Let's what do we got? Go to I know the we mailbag. had a few. I know each of, each of us has had a few text messages, yep. and I know we had a few emails, but I did not sort through them. I've had just an incredibly busy week this week. You were in charge of wham, all mailbag wham, things. Wham. What did you decide to bring to the air today, Miss Emily? I have a really good question from Ross from California. Who uh, listens love to our podcast. California listeners. Yeah. Hi to all five of you. <laughs> Godspeed. Godspeed. Stay uh, strong. <laughs> Stay strong in the midst of the darkness. All right, go ahead. Ross actually has a really good question. He says, Chris, see, this is directed to you. To me. You have some explaining to do. Uh, he said, you talk about the evidence of this and the evidence of that and the evidences that God's word is true. Mm-hmm. He said, what I want to know is what is the evidence that God's word is indeed true, that it can be trusted? Well, there's so many things. uh, Well, it would take about three hours to do it justice. But in 92 minutes plus credit, you can get a complete layout (laughs) in the movie Bible Idiots. Just search Bible Idiots on YouTube, Amazon. Uh, yeah. No, but that's true. It's send a good Send fifty dollars to get my book on how to get people to send you fifty dollars. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, but the Bible Idiots movie lays it out. But in, in a, a nutshell, word, yeah. What one of the arguments that I like to ask is that what do you think the odds are that a book that claims to be the Word of God fifteen hundred times 
uh, would would be would that be a good book or would that be a bad book? Mm-hmm. Well, it'd be a good book if it was true, if it claimed to be something fifteen hundred times. Secondly, you've got forty different authors from all different walks of life. Mm-hmm. You know, some are poets, some are you know builders, some are kings, some are you know fishermen. And they all write over about 1,800 to 2,000 years with a harmony, with even not without even having some of the other writings available. And they're not talking about things like medicine or construction principles. Things we can see. They're, yeah. I mean, even that would be amazing. Right. They're talking about obscure things like heaven and hell and angels and salvation. And there's a harmony throughout the, it all. There's no question that from Genesis through Revelation, it is salvation history of God setting up the sacrificial system through his people, the Israelites, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and fulfilling that through Jesus Christ, the Messiah, who came and lived the perfect life, died the sacrificial death, overcame uh, death, hell, and the grave with his resurrection from the dead and lives to this day. And so it's all true. And it can be um, very easily understood this way. Read it with an open heart and let God be the, you know, the unleashed tiger on your soul because the word itself will testify for itself. Also, throughout Scripture, it talks about natural revelation, where you can have a natural revelation about God uh, through just the creation and that we're without excuse. Right. So there's so many things in the Bible that are so far beyond anything else. And then I've been waiting for a month to put this into the podcast, but there's also the Maseratic text. <laughs> like saying that word. I love word. saying the Masoretic text. It makes me sound more intelligent than what I really am. Hey, can I be a scholar? I could say Masoretic text. Um, but when you have the Septuagint, when you have all these other God-inspired things that have happened along with the historical accuracy, the Dead Sea Scrolls show us that many of these things were written thousands of years prior uh, to the fulfillment. So there's a lot of critics that say, yeah, a lot of the Bible's prophecy is just history, you know, that was just written and then they threw a guess on the end. And yeah. It's like, no, 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 no. no, no it no. wasn't. We Am have... I answering that question good enough? Because, well, I mean, there's I something think... you're looking for here. Well, Hit me was... with it. I was thinking along the same lines as you when it comes to those uh, biblical texts that we continue to uncover and unearth through archaeology and they take them from the different languages and you know the from the original language to current languages and so on and we've and and every time we lay them down next to each other from the oldest to the newest they're exactly the same it yeah. it has not changed over time yeah it is still the exact same message and you know that's just evidence of how god has preserved the truth of the bible in spite of man's frailty yeah uh and, and it is true it, it remains consistent the number two uh text that has the most manuscripts written with hundreds of years between it is Homer's Iliad. There's 600 manuscripts of Homer's Iliad. And historians say that proves that that is an accurate document of Homer writing the Iliad, right? Right, right. Well, the number one happens to be the New Testament, which has over 20,000 copies. Talk about crushing its next competitor into right, dust, right? right. And those 20,000 manuscripts that, that date all the way back to the first century, they have 
98% consistency. And the little 2% differences are little punctuation changes, letter changes, but the meaning of every single text is absolutely harmonious. You can get all this detail about the inspiration, the, uh, the authority, the historical accuracy, all of that in the documentary Bible Idiots. It's all laid out there so plainly for you. And that is, of course, is the forerunner to this podcast. So... I hope, Ross, you're listening, and I hope that helps. That's and, quite a uh, nutshell. <laughs> yeah. Went a, a little bit overboard nutshell. there. No, it's it's a big question. It really is. It's a big question, and there's a lot of things that do point to the authenticity of God's Word. Those were just a couple of them off, like your head and my head, yeah. Chris, that, well, I think the that biggest thing that, to us. I think the biggest thing that people can do is they can set their heart and face, even if it's just temporarily. If you're a skeptic and you say, I want to try to have an open mind, well, turn your face and your heart towards God for yeah. just 10 minutes, yeah, okay? Yeah. And I say that hypothetically, like 10 days, 10 minutes, 10 hours, whatever, and let God speak to you. 2 Corinthians 9, 8 says, and God is able, to make all grace abound toward you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. And that could be including your searching to make sure that the scriptures are true in your heart, that you can base your surrendered life to Jesus Christ on it and know that you are living a win. You're living a victory. You're not You're not being the loser in town, whether they call <laughs> you that or not. You are winning by submitting yeah. to Jesus Christ and having the God's word be your final authority for our life. Yeah, ask Earth. God himself. He says he will give wisdom to those who ask without finding any judgment he's he's eager to reveal himself so uh i have one more question you for have one you. more we okay I do. yeah we have time for one more okay <laughs> well thanks johnny <laughs> <laughs> da, da, dun, dun, uh, what you got in the mailbag this one is from quinn from mississippi oh quinn from mississippi <laughs> That's my six-year-old granddaughter. Oh, no, she turned seven. That's my seven-year-old granddaughter. Okay, so... Is this uh, a question that she's told me before, or is this fresh? I don't even know. I don't okay. even know for sure. But I think I know which one it is. She's, you know, at that age, you become very self-aware. You start to become very self-aware. And she's... So, Grandma, you know, um, boys have belly buttons, and girls have belly buttons. Does God have a belly button? That's your question? <laughs> That's the question. Go. <laughs> In a nutshell. <laughs> well, all right, Pastor. So Chris. think about the belly button of God. First, you got to go back to the Masoretic text. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> some churches are the heart of God. Some churches are the mind of God. We lead the belly button of God. <laughs> David was a man after God's <laughs> own heart. You're the man after, after God's, God's belly button. Belly button. Yeah, amen to that. All right, final thoughts you want to leave for this Friday. I want you to answer the question. Well, we're made in God's image, so I yes. suppose I would have to, I don't know. No, he wouldn't have a belly button. Why? Because he was not made or created or born. Oh, okay. So I he, see where you're going. He wouldn't have I'm one. thinking uh, we're all the body of Christ <laughs> and we're made in God's image. Who's the pastor here? Let me look it up in a Masoretic text. <laughs> Let me contact some theologian and ask them. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a minute with Google and sermonsearch.com. Do you think Franklin Graham would respond to my question? <laughs> So God does not have a belly button. Okay, we've established Who's that. Who's God's lovely. parents? <laughs>
now we're really getting off the rails. What are we going to do They're here? good questions, though. No matter yeah. how old or young yeah. you are, no questions I'm a bad tired. question. It's Friday, and it's too bad that this... All right. I feel Mailbag's bad. empty. I feel bad that I missed the God belly button question. No! No, he doesn't have a belly button, Pastor. <laughs> when you read through Revelation, <laughs> yes. and they are describing the Lord and the beasts and the saints and God, is, is there ever a belly button mentioned? Well, now that you put it that way. The burning bush did not have a belly Let's button. Let's quit. <laughs> We're ending this right now. On behalf of my best friend and bride, Emily, my name is Chris. Get into the Word of God today where God has no belly button. Yeah, and good thing it's Friday. Go and serve your king. <laughs>